Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. I looked over and Jaina was on it and she was going over and I said, okay, Lord, thank goodness because I don't know if I could have acted Christ-like after this. And she walked over and as she was about to put her hands on him, the Lord spoke to Jaina and said, speak life. Speak life. And what she began to do in those moments is to start speaking into the future of this young man. And what we did not know at that time, but we began to find out, is the unraveling that the household had become and what had this kid had seen at a young age, what he was removed from in the state of California before he came to Minnesota. And those words, and I knew exactly, I started crying as, as she told me those words because I knew they were from God and they shaped our ministry from then on. Now, we haven't always been successful. There have been times that I wish that better words had come out of my mouth, but that began to shape the way that we talk to kids. That began to shape the way that we expressed ourselves, even when we thought we were joking. Can I get an amen on that one? <clears throat> Have you ever noticed how the smallest words can cut so deeply they can rattle around in your head for years and decades after they've been said. We have been the recipient of these words. If I talk to each one of you and we say, give me an example of when you were young or somebody said something to you that just stuck with you and you can remember that moment, you can remember the tone and how it was said to you, I bet you you could rattle off experiences. But on the flip side of that, we have always also been the offenders. We have also been the ones who have spoken those words, and just like Pastor Jana was showing, you can't put it back into the toothpaste, can you? Once it's out, it's out. We're going to begin by reading James chapter 3, and we're going to start 1 through 12. Could you put that up for me, please, Eli? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come here. We thank you that we have the opportunity to lift up our voices in praise and lift up our voices in worship. And, and in, in one heart, Lord Jesus, we can be unified, be unified behind the message of the cross, knowing that your words literally bring life. And Lord, I pray that when we leave here today, not only do we think it, not only do we, can we intellectually understand that this has happened, Lord, but that we can internalize it and begin to live this way and that we will never be the same because you have done something. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, James, chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Now, James, there were a couple Jameses, 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 in the Bible, and uh, it is believed, it is uh, just kind of the tradition that this is James, the brother of Jesus. Now, you know that the legitimacy of a brother thinking that you are God brings a lot of credibility to the messiahship and the kingship of our Lord Jesus, right? I don't know about you, but the words that I had towards my brother were not always life-giving. And here, James has a lot of amazing things to say. So, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, 
because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, the Jewish tradition, one of the most elevated and prestigious positions that you could have was teaching. It was the most honored thing that a Jewish man could do. And so for James to say this, he, he's all of a sudden putting, hey, you know what? Yeah, I get it. You want to do this. But there is a weight that comes to this position. There is a weight that you should actually stop and you should think about it and tread carefully. Because the words that you are saying as a teacher will influence and will direct the lives of people and further generations we're going to see in a little bit. Verse 2, we all stumble in many ways. I'll let that sink in for a second. We good? We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole bodies in check. In other words, James is telling us, if you and I can control we're going to find out in a second, this untamable beast, the rest of our lives are going to follow. Because our bodies follow our tongues. Three, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. And for those of you who, who like horse riding, you understand there's a leather bit or, or a piece of, of metal that, that goes in that literally, here's this enormous, beautiful beast that many of us would have been experiencing at the state fair would have. And I don't know about you, but when I go through there and I'm like looking at some of these horses, I'm just like, they are so big. They're just so gorgeous. And to think that one little bit, one little piece of metal can all of a sudden direct the entire animal. And then we've got these ships. And I don't know if you've ever seen, um, whether it's in Duluth or, or some of these enormous ships as they're being built, you've got these just monstrosities. And before they go into the water, you look and the entire thing is steered by this tiny rudder. Have you ever seen that before where you see just this, this ship from the bottom all the way to the top and you see the entire thing is shaped by one small piece on the backside? Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil, among the parts of the body, it corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. You know, when, I, when I'm reading this, I always picture these animals that, that we have great fear of or, or we just, we know that we need to look at them from a distance. And, and in a time where the Tiger King came out during the COVID-19 and many of you terrible people were watching this show, <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, 
She pointed at me because I just couldn't help myself. But, <clears throat> I mean, you see these majestic animals that, that God has created, and all of a sudden we're doing tricks with them. And yet, he says, our tongue, right? We can't even control the smallest piece in our mouths. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings. Have you ever thought to yourself, you're sitting in one sense praising the Lord and lifting your hands to him, and the next words out, are they life-giving? Are they life-giving? Let me think about it. Is it worship when you treat somebody that is designed after God's own image with love? Is that an act of worship? I would say it sure is. It sure is. With the tongue we praise the Lord and the Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praises and cursing by brothers and sisters. This should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brother and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt water produce fresh water? James doesn't actually answer these questions for us. He, he just, he, he throws them out at us because we know the answer. We know that it is impossible for salt water to produce fresh water. And, and so here, here are a few things that I would like us to, to think about. And first of all, small words have big outcomes. Small words have big outcomes. Just like you, I've had crushing words said to me or about me. I've also had kind and life-giving words said to me. But guess which one sticks? Guess which one you go home and you're thinking about? Guess which one that you are just wrestling with and you are wondering, why, is, why do I believe this is truth, yet the other I pass off? This is probably why we have the nursery rhyme, right? Sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. I remember saying that to somebody after they just hurt me with some words. And I remember thinking, this is a terrible nursery rhyme. <laughs> I, I think that's like what we say when we're crying on the inside, maybe. Speaking of small words and big outcomes. It was October 19th, 1856 in the Surrey Garden Music Hall in London, and it was a 12,000-seat um, auditorium. And again, this is in 1856, and the young and fiery preacher, Charles Spurgeon, who changed just years and years with his preaching and the way that he reached people, and at that time, people were jealous. He was this young kid with just some young Kids, they didn't know what they were doing, and their, his church just kept exploding. People just kept coming, and so they had to rent out this 12,000-seat auditorium, and on this day, on October 19th, he began to preach, and some people that were mad and angry at him began to shout, fire. And as they shouted, fire, people began to trample out. Seven people died. 28 people were critically injured. Because of one small word, but with massive, massive outcomes. He was so devastated, he was like paralyzed 
on the platform. He had to be carried off. He was brought to somebody's home and where he just laid. It almost destroyed him. He went into a deep depression. How does one survive from something so simple as somebody's words? Small words have big outcomes. When, uh, when we were moving, some of you know kind of some of our backstory, but we ended up moving a lot of times when we were coming here. We had just had some really funny housing things go up. Praise the Lord. Aren't we glad when we move past things? Because, oh, man. And I had this moment where I was packing boxes. And I had, um, you know, just some Home Depot boxes. And I put kids' books, big black, you know, marker, permanent marker, put it on their kids' books, stacked them. Because some people were helping us move. And praise the Lord for awesome people. And I'm stacking them up there. And so as a logical man, I did what any man would do. He got the adult books and started writing adult books on all of the boxes. And it looked like Pastor Dale had a problem. Now, <laughs> I didn't even think of these words that I was putting out there because it was just what I was writing, what was in them. I knew where those should go. The outcome had different results from some of the people helping us move. <laughs> oh, man. I love when people just say it instead of just think it and go home, and you wouldn't believe how many adult books Pastor Dale has. <laughs> and the same way, words are constantly changing. I remember, oh, man, I bet you at this point it's been eight, ten years ago, and uh, there were some new kids in the youth group, and I was a youth pastor and really wanting to connect with them. And, and so I was like, hey, now, please, when I say this, understand, these were words we used to use, okay? Do you understand me? This is for context here. So I said, hey, we should hook up sometime this week. Now, some of you older people are thinking, what's wrong with that? In the words of Inigo Montoya from The Princess Bride, I don't think that word means what you think it means. And this is exactly what happened. I had somebody come and say, uh, Pastor Dale, you shouldn't say that anymore. And I'm like, what do you mean? And I really did not know that it meant something else. It was super embarrassing. I mean, just think of the history uh, of words and, and how they've changed. The word naughty um, long ago meant you had nothing. You had not. Now we have it about, it's more about like Santa Claus and how you were behaving through the year. A hussy. Men don't even think about using this word. Was a housewife or a nanny of the house. Egregious once meant you were distinguished and eminent. Now it's the total opposite. Nice meant you were kind of simple. You know? Oh, he's a nice boy. Not exactly a compliment. Silly meant worthy or a blessing. And now it means foolish or goofy. Awful literally means worthy of awe, full of awe and wonder. 
It doesn't mean, awful doesn't mean that anymore. And when you think about the King James Version and why so many had um, a hard transition going from the, the King's, King James translation is because that old langu um, language and wording, so many things have changed. Uh, Daniel Wallace, who is a textual critic, says 300 words in the King James Version, it, it just, they no longer bear the same meaning. And so just like those words that I used, they were right in the context of what I knew of them, no longer meant the same thing. And a couple examples. The awful majesty of God. Or in Psalms 47, it says, The Lord is terrible. Terrible meant awe-inspiring or something for somebody to, to fear. And instead, kids are hearing this and saying, Hold on, I thought God was loving. I thought God was gracious and merciful and wanting these things for me. Instead, they're going, Why is he terrible? And you think about the kids reading, why does it say, suffer little children, come unto me? What kids want to go suffer unto Jesus, right? So there's, this is why we need theologians. This is why we need textual critics, that they are helping change and helping to keep our language that is moving along with our culture so people can understand who God is and properly describe what he is saying to us in our words. I could use some other examples, but they would not be appropriate because we all know that a lot of words have changed total meanings. So it shouldn't be a surprise to us that words carry a lot of weight. As sons and daughters of Christ, we are image bearers, meaning that all of creation, we were designed, out of everything, we were designed in his image, meaning that we also carry many of the same qualities and attributes that God does as well. In Genesis, we are given tremendous insight into creation. We learn that God speaks and miracles happen, that God speaks and things literally come into existence. In, in Genesis chapter 1, God says, let there be, let there be, and in his words, they came to be. Light, the expanse between the waters, land, vegetation, separate, separation of light and, or night and day and the creatures of the sea. And God created. He said that it was good. In other words, it was perfect. The book of John starts by saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Jesus said, and this is in Mark 13, 31, Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. We are reading that the words of God do not pass away, which makes sense, especially since he is described as the word, as the logos. So when we speak God's truth, when we read scripture, when we proclaim it, we are literally speaking eternal truth. We are repeating after our heavenly father. How many of you have heard kids repeat after you? And when, when you are teaching and training kids along, they are hearing the words that you're saying and they are repeating and in the same way. We need to get the words of our Heavenly Father so deep in us that when, as we grow up and as we mature like him, we are literally speaking the words of our Father. Now what if, before the words left our mouths, we thought to ourselves, 
I'm about to speak something eternal over somebody. Think of it this way. What if before we spoke, we thought to ourselves, these words may stick with this person for the rest of their life, and in fact, they could have results in furthering in other generations. How can I speak words of fresh water, fruit from the Spirit of Christ Almighty, what if our words were so refreshing they brought somebody to the sweet well in which those words came? Oh, man. That our words and the way that we speak to people and the way that we think and the, and the way that we communicate, that people begin to be drawn to those words, not because they're ours, but because they're from the eternal Father that's coming out of us. God's word is eternal. We are created in his image. So why does it surprise us to realize that words can literally direct the course of our lives? Just like a horse, just like a giant ship. Researchers are constantly seeing these things and these studies of people who are ill, people who have come through difficult parts of their lives and, and they've had addiction problems, and when they began to speak words that are not of death and of their past, but of their future and where they can go, all of a sudden their lives began to change, and they're shaped because the power of the words they're hearing, the God-given voice that we've been given to speak and to go into the path that he has created for us. When I think of negative or hurtful words that I have used, they have almost always come out of a place of my own hurt. When I think of <clears throat> excuse me, conversations that my wife and I have had where she's been hurt by something I said. And I have to go back and I have to think about it and I have to think, <clears throat> why did I say that? And all of a sudden I realized that I became offended and in my own offense, for whatever reason that was, I quickly responded. But that quick response was not from the love of Christ. That wasn't from the fruit of the Spirit. That was from my own hurt. And, and I don't think I'm alone in that. I think that many of us in the same way, have, have been hurt, and, and we repeat words that have been said to us. They were said to us, so then why, why shouldn't I just say them to somebody else? They should feel what I feel. When I used to work road construction, I did my junior and senior in high school, and then a couple years in between college, and I learned all sorts of creative ways to say swear words. <clears throat> I had no idea there could be such creativity in our, in our culture. And it's so crazy because even if somebody says something today, some of the ways that those were said, I can think of it and it pops into my head immediately. That's why, you know, people who um, work in areas of, of manual labor and they're around <clears throat> much pretty colorful language, I have so much patience for because I know what you're hearing, those words are coming in and they're coming in and they're coming in and they began to affect you and sometimes it's just really difficult because you're hearing it all the time. Ephesians 4.29, this simple verse changed my young life because I like to say things that would cause people to kind of go, oh my goodness, I can't believe you just said that. And, and it says, do not let an unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And I had to start thinking to myself, <clears throat> I'm, I'm wanting to get a laugh. I, I like to get a response from people. I like to surprise them. But that wasn't the way 
to do it, and was it actually benefiting them? And the answer was no. So I let the Holy Spirit work on me and began, he began to work. Music was another one. Friends, if you think you can listen to really dark music and think that it won't affect you, you're kidding yourselves. Music that I grew up with in the 90s, music that I absolutely loved, my parents would confront me on it. We had some CD conversations. Some of them disappeared. Some of them came back. <clears throat> but what I did not realize until it was later on, that some of those words, even though I thought I was just listening to the music, began to find its way into my heart. It began to affect my attitude, began to affect the way that I thought about myself. And I had to literally separate from those things. Now, today, I can hear come on the radio, and I can just kind of, oh, that's kind of a good memory. But then I have to put it away because I did not realize the power of words at that point in my life. If our words carry the ability to speak life or death, and if our words can build up people, is it possible, is it possible that the way that you talk to people has much more power than you've realized. Willie George, he's a pastor of Church on the Move, and he, he says that we are able to be a part of life change in people's lives that will affect generations of people and families. And he goes on to say, God's plan for your family is longer than your lifespan. God's plan for your family is longer than your lifespan. So if you're somebody who, who lives in the moment, I get it. I have to fight that often too. But at the same time, you have to think what you are doing is creating a pathway. And even, you know, if you're somebody in here today and you don't have kids, let me tell you that your words still can shape lives and generations. Fathers, it's Father's Day. I'm going to put out a challenge to you. How do you speak to your kids? Are they words of sweet water and life? This doesn't mean you don't correct or punish. It doesn't mean that you don't say the words no. I hope you say the words no. Parents, more of you need to say the word no, seriously. <laughs> Some of your grandparents are like, amen. No, part of, part of building up the foundation of a kid is like building up a house. They need to have strong bones. They need to be able to hold up when weather comes and when they're told no later in life and when they don't get what they want. We have to correct them. We have to help them. But we can still do it with sweet, sweet water. You know, a perfect example of this is when, when we were doing recording and when we were doing video, um, John Murphy back there would, would come and we, Jane and I were totally dumbfounded, and we have no idea what we're doing. We're, we're, I mean, you guys saw us. We're doing our best. And he would come, and he would say, so, you're, I really like what you're saying. But the way you're saying, maybe if you just did this little, and we're like, how'd you do that so nicely? You just told me what I did sucked. 
but I felt okay about it. You know what I'm saying? So there's a way that we can instruct and to help and to build up our young ones, but still speaking into their future, still speaking into the fact that they are one day going to be a man and have kids and will probably repeat what you're saying and how you're saying it. How do you speak to your spouse? And if you have an ex-spouse, how are you speaking to them? What words are you speaking about them? As a church, we have an incredible opportunity to lead others. But we need to do it by speaking the words of Christ, by speaking who he is in the way that he lives in us and give those same words. We, want God, we, we think of God speaking love and life over us. Shouldn't we do the same for others? We have this unbelievable opportunity to shape people's lives. Our words of life and encouragement will shape and mold and lead the next generation. And some of us have gotten off this path a little bit, and, I, and I've heard this a lot. We'll say, I'm just going to speak the truth in love. There was no love behind that. There's no love behind that. How can we help people? How can we build our relationships with people so they actually trust us? Can you imagine a church that understands their words are laying the groundwork for generations to come? Instead of being critical, how about we say, how can I help you? My desire is to be a church that speaks this kind of life. <clears throat> Not because we're doing some kind of self-help thing and behavior modification. It's because we are allowing the work of the Holy Spirit to work in us and to change us. So um, I got this from a pastor who got this from a pastor who got this from a pastor. And I, can't, I have no idea who, okay? So I'm going to repeat. Um, and it's, a, it's six challenges for one week. Okay? You can call it testing our tongues. Testing our tongues. Number one, for one week, you are not allowed to complain or grumble. One week. How are we doing so far? <clears throat> Jana, you got these written down? We're going to try this together. This, this is going to be fun. Two. And we already read this in, in James chapter 3. Do not boast. Okay? Do not complain or grumble. Do not boast. Here we go, number three. Hold on to your seats. Do not gossip or repeat bad words about someone. Do not speak negatively about someone. Do not defend or excuse yourself. I know, last one. <clears throat> Always affirm. Always affirm. <clears throat> a pastor by the name of Ben Stewart, he, he shares, um, I think it's Passion City Church. And he shared this story, <clears throat> and I was kind of alluding to it a little bit earlier. And he was a, a youth pastor, and, and many <clears throat> of those who were back, lived kind of back in the 90s and early 2000s. And some of you are kind of like, <clears throat> sarcasm is my love language. And we, you know, and, and I, I spoke that. 
it was fun with your buddies and your pals, and it was kind of like who could put the quickest jab in there and use sarcasm and ha, 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 and we love each other as we cut each other, right? And he, he was one of these guys, and he, he became a, a youth pastor, and he started to bring that language with him into his junior high ministry. And he began to realize that the junior hires didn't think what he was saying was funny. And he was trying to be cool. He was trying to, you know, have the kids like him and be funny because that worked with his friends. And he started to realize that now all of a sudden he was making these comments that there were little truth statements in it. And God began to work in him where this had got to stop. That his words were literally shaping young people's lives. And he tells this story where he was about, he met this new kid. He was sitting alone. He just came to the youth group. And he goes, hey, what is it that you do? Like, tell me, tell me what, what makes you you. And, and the kid said, well, I play the oboe. And he said, in my mind, like a thousand things came up. Who in junior high plays the oboe, right? And he's thinking, I had so many cutting words and just jokes to say in that moment. And he said, and this was my first time back of now, I am not going to use this kind of language. And he, he held his tongue. He held his tongue and he said, <clears throat> why do you play the oboe? How does a junior higher ever play the oboe? And he said it respectfully. And he said, well, my dad played the oboe. He goes, oh, so does your dad teach you? And he said, no, my dad's not around anymore. By holding his tongue for one moment, he all of a sudden was at the heart of a child. Can you imagine what would have happened if he would have just started making jokes about oboes. Hey, come here, look at this kid. He plays the oboe. Who does that? That kid never would have come back. That kid would have been crushed, absolutely crushed, because this is his significance that held him to his dad. Our words bring and breathe life. And, and if we can just begin to understand that, if we can step out of our own hurts and the ways that people had dealt with us, is it possible that our small words could have big outcomes? I think there are a few things at play here. First, um, if we consider behavior modification, yeah, there are some habits and there are some things that we can change, but James is saying just as salt water cannot be, can produce fresh water and a grapevine cannot uh, produce figs, neither can a dark heart produce life. He's saying it's deeper than just our, our behavior and, and learning and saying bad things. There is something inside that out of the mouth that speaks comes from our heart. I think that we have minimized or maybe been ignorant to the power that God has given us through our words. I want to encourage you to try and take this challenge this week. Even take a couple of them. Try not complaining or boasting. One and two. See how that goes. Watch how others speak. Listen to how others are speaking. Listen to how you speak to your spouse and to your children or your grandchildren or your coworkers. This is truly allowing Christ to change us. This message from James is, is that good things cannot come from bad vessels. And, and when I think of this, I think that some of us go, well, this is how I was taught. This is how my grandparents, this is how my parents talked to me. They should just suck it up. How about this? How about we be the generation of change? 
How about instead of saying, you know what? Now when I think about it, those words really hurt me. And I'm functioning in a place of hurt and kind of wanting them to experience what I experience. How about instead I said, these are the words of Christ. I am going to speak of life. I'm going to speak of hope. And I'm going to speak of their future being men and women of God and seeing them change generations and lives so we do not repeat what I have gone through. Friends, our words have power. Our words bring life. And fathers, men, your words... Your words have more power than you could ever imagine. Would the worship team please come and I would like to invite you to stand. Because you know what we're going to do right now? We are going to proclaim with our words. We are going to proclaim and worship love and exaltation of our Heavenly Father. We are going to worship with one another. And for some of you here, just, just so you understand, we've put most of our worship at the end because we understand that there are some here that do not feel comfortable yet worshiping in, in groups. And so that's why we just kind of presented this opportunity for you to step out if you'd feel more comfortable to do that. But right now, we get to practice our words. We get to practice our words of love and of hope and of what Christ has done for us. Amen? Heavenly Father, I just pray that your word becomes our words and that we begin to see change, changes not only in our own lives but our families, Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray that our words begin to be a fresh well and a fresh water that leads other people to you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.